Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best TGIF show. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. America, America, this is you. How can you do it as that dude? Best TGIF show. Yeah, you knew the dude. Tonight, you mean like Ernie Anderson? <laughs> Ernie Tonight. Anderson, that's his name. Oh. Tonight on America's Funniest People. <laughs> Don't do any more than that, because we've all heard that clip online, and this is a family show, and he says some terrible, terrible, dirty words in that. It is a bad... I mean, you've heard... Well, never mind. Well, let's not get into that. Let's not get into... <laughs> No, let's get let's not get negative and let's not get dirty. This is TGIF, Hal. This is good, wholesome family entertainment. Thank goodness it's funny. Yes, that's right. This programming block changed the game for ABC. Mm-hmm. Kind of pulled them. It created a huge programming block for them that was there. You had must see TV on NBC, which started a little bit later. But before that, you had this power block of programming that started in the fall of 1989 and ran through the 1999 to 2000 season. Then you had like working guys comedy. Then it came back briefly, but we're going to stick to the core decade where it was at the height of its power. Really? I would argue that the best show from a TGIF lineup, there is one particular show in that second round of TGIF in 2003 that might be the greatest sitcom of all time. Do you just want to throw this episode out and talk about what it was like working on Life with Bonnie? No, no. I was just saying I think that that's the winner of the episode. Actually, there it could be Married to the Kellys, which had a young Derek Waters. Derek Waters in it. That's right. Back in 2003. But we're talking about that original block, 1989 to the 1999-2000 season. So uh, that decade, the entirety of the 90s. Hal, you and I were both kids of the 90s. I imagine many of our listeners, the people of the world, were also kids of the 90s. And when you're a kid in the 90s, you stay home on Friday night. I was sort of, you and I both were sort of the perfect age for TGIF because it was like, we were too young really to go out on a Friday night. Sure. But it was nice to have these cool TV shows that we liked because we didn't have to go to bed because we didn't have school the next day. So, yeah. you know, you could stay up late and watch the 930 sitcom. <laughs> but there were some there's some classic sitcoms that came out of this. Some of them that were not beginning their run uh, on television that were coming in in second and third seasons and some that actually premiered as uh, TGIF shows. Some of them now classics. There were sort of you can kind of divide it into two. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? That makes sense to divide it into two different eras. You have the early Full House, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters era. And then as those shows faded and like, I think, 97 season, they brought in Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, Boy Meets World, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, that sort of era with step by step as a bridge in the middle of the two. Also, Boy Meets World. I said that, didn't I? Yes, you did. Sorry. Had a compliment. A clueless. You know what else was on was Boy Meets World featuring We Got This with Mark and Hal's Ryder Strong. I don't think he's been on the show yet. Did he not, he? Did he not do the show yet? Oh, I thought he, he did the show. The show. <laughs> Never mind. How come we haven't had Ryder on the show? I don't know. Maybe that's the question we should be asking. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think, look, there are a lot of classic shows. now. Cla- it's weird to think of shows that we grew up with being classics, but it's been long enough now that they are classic shows. Some of them are among the most popular sitcoms ever. Some of them have warranted their own redo slash spinoff slash continuation those being mm-hmm. full house has its continuation and fuller full house, house girl meets world yeah, girl meets world directed well. by Ryder strong many yes. of those episodes which i think is very cool and sabrina the teenage witch has gotten a makeover but that's really an, ad- an adaptation from the archie comics series right so you can't really say that that is a continuation in any way what do you think of the new one have you seen um, it? I like the take on it but i'm yeah, it's I'm a little also, more a little more cw than abc family i have the same problem with it and it's a me problem i realize that i do Mm -hmm. with riverdale which is they may be fine shows on their own but i have such a strong emotional tie to those original archie comics which i read all the time which i still have a huge stack of on my bookshelf that Mm -hmm. is right on the other side of this door i have a ton of archie double digests 
all of which are from my childhood. Hal, are you going to be able to get out of that booth? No, there's a case. There's a I big stack here. of comics on the other side of the door. Yeah, I live here. Oh, wow. Let me know if you need to get juice boxes sent over. I'm just going to sit here and listen to Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> through the door until I Perfect. turn dust. Is there a little slot that Amazon can feed packages through? Because I can send you some <laughs> yeah. magic spoon or something. Yeah, that'd be great. No problem. I would love that. But what I was saying is just, I have such a strong connection to those original comics mm-hmm. that I have trouble with almost any adaptation that isn't like animated and doesn't look like the comics because that's my memory. But I love that these different sort of versions, I love that they were able to make a sitcom out of it. And I love that they were able to make a darker series out of it that mm-hmm. people loved. I think that's one of the great things about any piece of art being adapted is you can adapt it a million different ways and find new audiences that cling on to whatever version they connect to the most. I think that's great, but none of them are for me just because I love the original comics. Sure. Do you think while we're talking about it, we might as well stick on Sabrina. Do you think Mm -hmm. that the, because I was never a huge Archie comics fan. I liked the sitcom though. I think it was a lot of fun. I thought the cast was great. All the women on that show were hilarious, but was that show, did it veer pretty far from the comics? You had a lot of the characters in it. And Mm -hmm. it's, I I don't don't know how many specific Sabrina storylines from the comics I can remember. That's fair. I will say that series sported some of the best extra work you're ever going to see. Really? I'm a young Hal Loveland sitting in the coffee shop in one episode. <laughs> Couldn't tell you which episode. Hal, both of us have been on TGIF. We're just a couple of TGIF Look veterans. at that. You very excited. Role. That just means we've been in Hollywood for a very long time. I, I was just human furniture. <laughs> you know what, Hal? What? If you're human furniture, then you're a sofa I want to sit on, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, buddy. Good to hear it. <laughs> so how do you, I feel like there are only a few, I don't think we need to talk about every single series on here. No, but I think we need to do some honorable mentions to some of the short-lived masterpieces, like one, I think it was a half-season show. We were just talking about this before we went on, and I went, uh, as I'm looking through these and watching you know, clips from all of these and thinking about them, I went, oh my God, going places. Mm-hmm. I vividly remember that opening montage and thought about it when I moved to Los Angeles. Weirdly, there are two. Uh, it's going places, and just the 10 of us have begin, their opening credits are a car packing up and moving to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> there are always people moving. Yeah. Well, everybody's moving to LA in 89, 90. But it was Alan Ruck and uh, the guy that played Styles in Teen Wolf and Heather Locklear and uh, one other actor whose name escapes me at the moment because they're not in front of me. Just as like a precursor to Friends. This was Friends years before Friends happened. Yeah. Except there were only four of them instead of uh, six. I also think there are some shows. I think that like Perfect Strangers. Mm hmm which was on for two years, three years. Sorry. It was there mm-hmm. for, for three years. That was towards the end of its run. It yes. had already been on the air for a while. I would not count that. I would count that as like one of the shows that they used to sort of help launch TGIF, but mm-hmm. also to try to find viewers for perfect strangers, which at that yeah. point was sort of had sort of hit its like middle towards like, not, not the big hit that it was initially. No, Perfect Strangers was from the inaugural episodes mm-hmm. of TGIF. It was the two lead characters from Perfect Strangers, both brilliant Broadway veterans, Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot, uh, doing tags between all of the different TGIF shows, which I always loved those. And they were in character talking about other TV shows. They would rotate them. The different casts would do them throughout. But primarily at the beginning, it was Perfect Strangers that was like, sure. The old veteran of the network introducing you to this new block of programming with these new shows. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I was a huge Perfect Strangers fan as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. I loved Perfect Strangers. I also think like Dinosaurs, I want to give a shout out to. I don't think it'll win. It was like white hot for a sure. And of course, it's a brainchild of our buddy Kirk Thatcher, who yes. worked very hard on that show. And that show is still like there are parts of it that are still sort of embedded in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not the mama, people, the baby. Yeah. People may not remember that show as well. And it has a very sad ending. Oh, I was just going to talk about the end of that show. <laughs> the fight. If you've never seen the final episode or just the final moments mm-hmm. of dinosaurs, it's a heartbreaker of a series finale. It basically ends with the dinosaurs being wiped out, including the beloved characters that we've come to know and love 
on this show and a speech from the patriarch of the family saying, look, I screwed up. People are screwing up and climate change is happening. And this is this is how we're going to go. So maybe future generations will figure this out in a way that we haven't. And it's a sobering episode. Mm-hmm. But that's not to make it sound like the show was a bunch of philosophical dinosaurs doing waiting for Godot every week. It was a funny show. Yes, it was. And there were a lot of shows at that time, like Night Court was wrapping up. Quantum Leap was wrapping up that had either bizarre or just depressing mm-hmm. finales to them. So, Well, we're getting a reboot, time. by the way, of Quantum Leap. I've heard. Yeah, Martin Garrow. It's going to be great. Look, I'll watch it. I love mm-hmm. the original. I'm with another Broadway legend. Oh, Scott Bakula or Scott Dean Bakula. Stockwell? Well, no, Scott Bakula. He's not a Broadway legend, but he is a, That's he's a true. musical theater performer. And they did have an episode with John Cullum, who is a Broadway legend. From Knoxville, Tennessee, my friend. Yeah. Pride of Knoxville. That's where they're doing the production of Cyrano. Of the man from, no, man from La Mancha. They aren't doing it. Oh, really? They're doing it in Knoxville? La Mancha with, and it's like a star is born where he has to go on. And Janine Turner is the actress who's playing Dulcinea. I have to see this episode. I had no idea that one episode of Quantum Leap was about doing a musical in Knoxville. That's what I grew Mm -hmm. up doing. I don't know that it was set in Knoxville, buddy, but you said it was was. set in Knoxville. No, I said it was set during a musical. Yeah. With John Cullum from Knoxville at the Bijou Theater on South Gay Street in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I performed. Show me this episode, Hal. Yes. No, I did not perform there. Do you remember this? You guys were sending me. This is the theater I grew up in. I was not on that leg of the uh, Night Vale tour. I'm saying Mm -hmm. that is the stage on which both of us have performed. Yes. And you were sending me photos from backstage of a backstage that like you ever get a photo and smell the burnt coffee in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those. It was great. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at that very first season. Eighty nine ninety, I would say, has probably two of the biggest contenders for this. Yep. And right out the gate, you've got Full House and Family Matters. Boom. Two of the greatest sitcoms of the TGIF block. Were you a fan of those shows growing up? Of course. Of course, the funny thing is that Full House was only there for two years. What? It was there 89, 90 and 90 to 91. Isn't that crazy? That was its only time. It was only on really. Yeah. Well, I wonder what it was, what its original block was because it was, uh, did previous. Oh no, it began on, uh, it was there on Friday starting in 1987. But it was not officially TGIF until 1989. So it was its fourth season. Yes. And there were eight seasons total. I think they moved it to another night is what happened. Mm -hmm. I think it was on Tuesdays. I think they moved it to Tuesdays. Yeah. I But I still think of this as a TGIF show. And you want to talk about some all-time performers. Bob Saget is the dad. Mm -hmm. Dave Coulier and John Stamos is the uncle's. Candace Cameron, Jody Sweeten, and the Olsen twins as the three daughters. All of them household names, like Lori Laughlin as Jesse's, uh, what was her name on the show? Becca, wasn't it? Becca, yes. Do you remember the episode where she and Uncle Jesse <laughs> paid a guy to tell everybody that they're twins, that the two boys were in crew, even though they were 10 years old, so that they could get into Berkeley? <sighs> I loved that episode. Have you seen the Netflix movie about that, the college scandal? No. Is it uh, actors playing those people or is it a documentary? It's all recording. So they have all these recordings of the conversations. What? And what they do is they have actors to play the people. So like the main guy who mm-hmm. was like the point of contact is played by Matthew Modine. But what? The who plays Lori Laughlin? She's not in it. It's all, it's a bunch of other people. You don't see the, the famos. Oh, okay. But they take the transcripts of their phone calls. And then they just dramatize it. They just play it. So he's like, oh, it's, but it's, you know, it's going to be a normal thing. It'll be fine because they won't check. And then she'll get into college. Like it's just, it is the worst. But then it's also mixed in with the actual, like people who were investigating it. It's a mess. It's a hot mess (laughs) that is riveting. Of course it is. Rich people being jerks is always riveting television. Dallas, succession. This scandal with Matthew Modine. By the way, I don't want that soundbite to be taken out of not uh, out of yeah. context because people will go, "What scandal with Matthew Modine?" There's none. He's clean as a whistle. Yeah, clean as a whistle, as as and, and, and was delightful in Cutthroat Island. Oh boy, I didn't think that was the one you were going to lean on. <laughs> I actually like that movie. As Good. terrible as it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You're a big Rennie Harlan fan. 
Look, I do love me some Rennie Harlan. It was no cliffhanger, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Full House is a, it, it's one of those classic, classic. It's such a classic sitcom that when they did 90s sitcom on WandaVision, the set was nearly identical to the set from Full House. Yeah. They were doing, they were doing a Full House ish look, but yeah. then also family ties. Like they all had the same. That was the eighties. Yeah. Wooden accented living room. That the eighties version would have been that, but yeah, the nineties. Oh, the house from Full House seemed so cool. It was the, the coolest house in the world. Huge. The living mm-hmm. room seemed fun. You had the basement, which was where Jesse and the Rippers. No, it's where Joey lived. Joey was the basement. I thought oh, Jesse was the, the loft. Jesse was up in the loft. That's right. And then they had their studio was down in the basement. <laughs> Joey didn't need any private space of his own. No, no. Joey is the most uncle uncle character on television. Yeah. Yeah. He's also who I wanted to be when I grew up. Joey. Joey. Yeah. Of course. Me too. Joey was the coolest man. He did cartoon voices. Mm-hmm. He had puppets and magic tricks. I was already a Dave Coulier fan from Out of Control yes. on Nickelodeon, which was the show he hosted on Nick in its early, early years of Nick. In a minute. <laughs> in a minute. In a minute. How to do things. And then the word not mm. would fall and land on it. Yeah, it was a fun sketch show, but da- so I knew Dave Coulier and he even threw his cut it out and a lot of his catchphrases that he had done on Nickelodeon yeah. brought them over to this show. I didn't know Stamos before this. Was he? He was a soap opera guy. He was a soap opera guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stamos was brilliant on there, had the best hair on television mm-hmm. and one of America's filthiest stand up comics somehow got the job as America's dad and nailed it. There the was late and him. brilliant Bob Saget. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's an inherently sweet guy. My Bob Saget story, because he's also from Philadelphia, I think was mm-hmm. maybe specifically the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. Near my parents' house, there is a Chinese restaurant called the China Garden Inn. Mm-hmm. It's on 611. If you're ever in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, it is fantastic Chinese food. And we knew, you know, we ate there often enough that the couple who owned it, became friendly with us to the point where like they gave me a gift when i graduated high school i got like a card from them oh wow so we were sort of like we were just always part of each other's lives we saw them constantly but on the wall by the cashier you know sometimes you have celebrity the only celebrity that was up on that wall was bob saget that he'd eaten there and my Mm -hmm. dream when i knew i wanted to be a performer was to one day have my headshot by bob saget's headshot awesome that would be a big deal it's not up there what it's not up there. I you should asked. put it up there. I never followed up. I should just nail it up there. I should sure go give them one. Go sure sign one. Give the two. That. Yeah. That's very cool. But yeah, that was like, that was like a connection to, oh, that's right. He's a Philadelphia guy mm-hmm. and just crazy funny as a stand up, but also the perfect TV dad. Yeah. Just understood. You know, sometimes the best actors don't have to be the best actors. Sometimes there are people who understand the assignment and he understood the assignment. And because of that came across as a great dad. And it's also what made him a really good host of another famous TGIF show, which is America's funniest Home video mm-hmm. was there's an, er- there is an earnestness to him. that's like, Oh, for all the people who may have an act that is nice, but turn out to be terrible people. It seems like he might've been the guy who had the really filthy act. Who was actually like a sweet, nice guy. Yeah. By all accounts, that is the case. And I think the particular myth of his acting, like his just what he gives off is a really great version of it's a really great combination of I am the dad who has these three daughters who is trying to teach weekly life lessons to a perfect combination of that and the. I'm just a guy trying to fake my way through this with the help of my two closest. One's his brother, one's his buddy, right? Well, it's his, uh, Jesse was his wife's brother. His wife's brother. That's right. It's his brother-in-law. But I mean, the pilot episode, it's a somewhat dark premise because they deal a little bit more with the concept that he's lost his wife. I think Mm -hmm. she, I think it's um, from cancer that she passes away and they're only there. Jesse and Joey are only there to help out for a little while while he tries to raise these three girls and become like he has lost his support system. He's lost his partner. He's lost the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And so they decide to stay to be his family and help fill that role and help raise these girls and be a family together. So you really like 
you watch the family form in that first episode and then you follow them through the series as they meet people, yeah. as they get married and have their own kids, as they start businesses together and the kids grow up. So it's really, it hits on a lot of different levels and that's what made it the show that it was because it didn't really have a breakout character Mm-mm. per se. Everybody had catchphrases. Everybody yeah. had their character. Have phrases. mercy, cut it out. How rude. Mom, what was it that Jesse said with, uh, with Becca? Like, uh, it was like a mama me or something uh, yeah, like something, something like that. Oh, oh, mama or something. It had mama in it, I believe. And then how rude. Yeah. How rude. Yeah. Was, how rude uh, was, was Michelle's. Stephanie. And then, and, uh, no, no. Stephanie, oh, you Stephanie. got a dude was Michelle. You got a dude was Michelle. How, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what DJ Tanner's catchphrase was, but I know that the sheets that DJ Tanner had were the same sheets I had as a kid, <laughs> which I thought was the coolest thing that I had the same sheets as DJ from Full House. Yep. Which was awesome. Uh, yeah, so they famous. did a, they did a really great thing on there where like two of the big shows on there, Perfect Strangers and Full House were these sort of non-traditional family units. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perfect Strangers being cousins from across the sea. Uh, and an all adult cast who these two meant to what these two meant to each other and the people around them in their lives. Full House is a family unit that is a non-traditional family unit that all is that is the family. You know, that's who you see sitting on the picnic blanket in San Francisco. That's who you see in the car going over the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's who you ultimately saw going in one of the greatest TV episodes of all time to Disney World in Florida. With Jesse of Jesse and the Rippers playing music in front of the castle, which John Stamos talks about being a uh, a high point of his career, which I I'm sure because he's, he's way into into Disney. Yeah. He's a Disney, big Disney nerd. Disney nerd, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk. Do you want to talk about another heavyweight contender? Because I think there may be sure. more than two. Another heavyweight contender. This one not a non traditional family. This one a straight up family sitcom it's got the name family in the title it is suburban or not suburban they're in the city right chicago they're in chicago yeah it's a spinoff from perfect strangers in a house in chicago dad's a cop mom works at the same office as larry and balky from perfect strangers the advertising office they have two daughters when the show begins and a son and a son and then one of the daughters just goes upstairs and never comes back down in mm-hmm. season two Maybe season three. Was it season two? I don't remember which season it was. They got rid of the daughter. They had a daughter early on and then just you never mentioned her again. Uh, And of course, the breakout character, the neighbor, Steve Urkel. Who was not on the first episode. He came a couple episodes later. I don't think anybody anticipated he was going to be the breakout star of that show because it was Carl Winslow's sitcom. It was more about him being a dad or, you know, him parenting. He was like the star of the show coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, he and uh, Harriet Winslow. He and Harriet Winslow, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's about the parents. And then along comes Urkel. Sorry, mm-hmm. yes. Harriet was the star of the show. She yeah. was the spinoff. She was the, because she was a great laugh line character on that show. So let's see where she, mm-hmm. let's see what her deal is. Shout out and to Joe Marie Payton. Yes. And then along comes Jaleel White as Steve Urkel and changes the trajectory of pop culture oh, yeah. for several years. Yeah. Launches toys, launches cartoons. I mean, there, there's no way that they knew bringing him in that he was going to be the focal point of the show because, you know, you bring him in, he's like a kind of a, he's way larger even for the sitcom than any of the other mm-hmm. characters that character is just an absolute force yeah i mean it's one i would put it up there with the great comic clowns of american television you've got you know lucy ricardo you've got mork from orc you've got Wee herman you know all these great classic larger than life arthur fonzarelli these uh latka these great huge larger than like you would not believe these characters in any vein of real life but i think jaleel white created one of the iconic american clown characters and delivered consistently week after week there was never a false moment in anything he did the point of view of that character was razor sharp and lightning fast and yeah as a comedy actor that's such an apex performance uh, yeah, even when he transformed to Stefan Urkel, and you get to yeah. see him do the other side of that, where he's doing essentially the nutty professor. So it's a very Jerry Lewis, young mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis-esque performance in how over the top it is. Yeah. Not to say he's imitating that. It's just in that 
in how extreme it is, but also like logically self-contained within itself makes sense. Mm -hmm. The character makes sense. And he was doing it when he was a kid as a kid, like to do one of the greatest comic characters in TV history as a kid. Come on. Yeah. Now he did change it into the Urkel show. It went from the Harriet show to the, that is true. It became a different show than what it was. And by the way, do we know if they made Reginald Bell Johnson a cop because of uh, his work as cops in movies? I don't know. Well, it would have been specifically because of Die Hard. Well, yeah. That he was the cop in Die Hard. That's what it felt like. It felt like it was a, I know it was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers, but it, it felt no, like it felt a like, spinoff yeah. of Die Hard. <laughs> like, like he came home and he was like, Harriet, I don't know what to do. I shot and killed a man at Nakatomi Tower. I was there. <laughs> Or do you go back earlier and he comes home and he goes, I shot a kid. <laughs> he pulled out one of those toy guns that looked real enough. Like, could have been. That could have been an episode. Of the and then, show. like, season three is like, ah, I got to go down to the tower. They're having their Christmas party tonight. Yeah. Instead, instead, they got. Yeah, that's the last episode of the series. It's all a prequel to Die Hard. But uh, that is another bizarre ending where Steve has gone to space and comes back. Like, the, the, I don't the, remember the ending of uh, Family oh, it's, Matters. It's. Did it jump the shark? Oh, it's oh for sure it did. For sure it did. It jumped there's the shark so straight far, to space, it sounds like. There's only so far you can go with that character yeah. where you have to make a choice. That either he is the weird one, he's the only weird thing, and everything else is normal, or you heighten the whole show around him. Mm-hmm. And the show heightened around him. It got weirder and weirder and more centered on him and less centered on anybody else because he was the breakout character. And, and they rode that into the ground for better or worse, I'm not going to say. But that is the other heavyweight contender. It's also a great family sitcom. Really fun. Great performances all around. Yeah. I think those are our two biggest contenders as we start. But why don't we take a little break? And when we get back, let's talk about maybe uh, some steps that moved us step by step into the next generation of uh, this decade-long experiment called TGIF that came back a couple of times but never quite like that original classic. We'll talk about it further. Until then, here are some of the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network and some of the great companies that are helping to get this show to your ears. Today's episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal is brought to you by Microdose Gummies. So, you've probably heard about microdosing. If you haven't, search around a little on the internet and you will find all sorts of people are microdosing and they're doing it for lots of reasons. To feel healthier and to perform better primary among those. Now, microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that will help you feel just the right amount of good. And I gotta say, I am a big fan. I have the green jar and the black jar, and they really do taste great. The grape flavor being my favorite. And they feel amazing. I use them to help me get in the zone when I'm working. They're really good for artists to get into flow, find that zen state at the end of the day when I want to wind down, chill, relax, and they even help you sleep like a baby. I gotta say, 10 out of 10, big fan. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdosegummies.com and use code WEGOTTHIS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdosegummies.com and code WEGOTTHIS. And thanks to Microdose Gummies for sponsoring our show. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, yeah, completely. Our, our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A back-throbbing audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum. And I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. 
I'm a brutal Brit, and my fists were made to punch and hit. And how Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. Mark, you mentioned Step by Step. Mm-hmm. Imagine for a second. Sure. That the Brady Bunch, that marriage happens because the husband and wife meet each other while vacationing in Jamaica. Uh-huh. And then they get married. Don't tell their children. They each have three kids. <laughs> they don't tell their children, mm-hmm. but plan another vacation so they can accidentally run into each other. And then the kids find out. And it becomes about the blending of the family. You know, Brady Bunch deals with that a little bit. And it deals with, like, the idea of all these kids going up in their different personalities. But it's not really about the blending of the family. They're brothers and sisters pretty much in the first season. This mm-hmm. is about trying to blend a family and the, the topics that come up around it. It stars Patrick Duffy and Suzanne Summers in her second great sitcom role. And the big breakout character is... is <laughs> It's Cousin Cody, played by Sasha Mitchell, who for the first five seasons, he's Frank's nephew, and he lives in a van in the driveway. So he starts (laughs) as a recurring character. He's sort of doing like a Valley teen kind of Bill and Ted accent. And then he becomes a regular cast member, and he's the breakout of that show. The big breakout is Sasha Mitchell as Cody. He later went on to like take over the Kickboxer franchise. He got like real into martial arts and becoming an action star. But this is in the earlier days where he was just like an odd, like, is he a stoner? What's his deal? Mm -hmm. And he was the Urkel of Step by Step. I think they were looking for that character in each show. Like, who's connecting? Yeah. Who do we hitch our wagon to? And he was the one for this show. And he was fine, but it never reached the heights of the other shows, although it's very enjoyable. Yeah, this show just seemed like a bowl of vanilla ice cream to me. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it was fine. It was fine. It was a fine show. It did. Uh, it started a little later than other ones and ran for a while. It was a good workhorse of a comedy show. It even switched networks. It went from ABC to CBS yeah. for the last season or two. And they pulled some cast members from Going Places, which they which had run for like half a season, but they pulled a couple of the kids from that and put them in this. Yep, Stacey Keenan. Yeah, and look, Suzanne Summers is great. Patrick Duffy is great. It was, yeah, it, it didn't seem, it was always the one that I was kind of like, oh yeah, also Step by Step is on. You know what <laughs> I mean? Was, it was sort of like you watch it, you're like, oh, there's some good stuff. I, Cousin Cody's funny. But yeah. It's not the, it never had the same impact. I thought it was a lot of fun. Also, it's, it's built on a temple good. of lies. It's built Brady Bunch, but built on a temple of lies. Yeah. Like, this whole, the, the basic premise of this show is, Children are dumb and can be deceived. What other, what other deep, dark secrets do they keep from one another? <laughs> yeah, right? Makes it's the show wonder. about secrets. Step by step. Step by step down into the basement, which is full of skeletons, both literal and figurative. Some of them are Patrick Duffy. Some of them are Suzanne Summers. Don't go to the house in the driveway that that weird Urkel breakout wannabe character is. He's got skeletons in there, too. Cousin Cody, yeah. Why isn't Cousin Cody allowed inside the house? <laughs> Why do they make him live out there in that van? What punishment is being served for what unspeakable deed did he do that <laughs> caused him to be banished from that house of lies? Right. And then to say, you're not good enough to be in here. Ugh. Also, I had a problem with the opening credit sequence where they were at a uh, amusement park together. Mm-hmm. And it very clearly looks like Magic Mountain out in Valencia. <laughs> but the show takes place, I think, in like Fort Washington, Wisconsin, which I know Wisconsin has its own. I don't mean to. I'm not bagging on Wisconsin at all. I've never been there. How could I? Yeah. And I'm sure that they have their own amusement parks, but it so clearly looks like California. <laughs> yeah, this this show seemed like if you had a show that was the most TGIF show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like. Hey, ABC made a bunch of great shows for TGIF. Did they have any that they just phoned in that happened to kind of work? That feels like what this show is. Yeah. So good, but not great. Yeah. Good, but not great. A solid B minus. Mm-hmm. You know, what's a, uh, either an A plus or a D plus. What's that? And I can't decide which. What? Baby talk. Two full seasons, my friend. 
Julia Duffy, the thrilling adventure hours, Julia Duffy, yeah, and a bemulleted George Clooney. Yep. And as the voice of a baby, Tony Danza. Two seasons of Look Who's Talking, the TV show. Come on. Yeah. I mean, we've already had Look Who's Talking by now. They've already had sequels at this point. I think we've already had the sequel. I think we've already had Look Who's Talking too. We've not yet had Look Who's Talking now, which is the one with the dogs. Or the next one. Shh, shh, did you hear that? With the dog and the cat. And wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you, you're, you're muted, which is the reboot that's coming out in 2021. <laughs> uh, does it, isn't the natural progression of those to the John Krasinski horror movies where nobody can talk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's called shh, nobody talk. Yeah. Look who's talking. A quiet place. That would be an amazing yeah. double feature. <laughs> like Especially- 101 Dalmatians dying young. John Travolta in a pilot outfit being eaten. One of those monsters. Oh, all right. I just wanted to mention baby talk because it needed a shout out. <laughs> Who else do we have that are contenders? So, oh, so after step by step, we moved into some of the later stuff we had. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a few uh, mid season replacements with Billy, with Billy Connolly, the head of the class story. We had Camp Wilder, which was, yeah. you know, like a cool aunt with her sister's kids giving advice, kind of, you know, unique family unit show. Here are two. There are two I want to talk about because you're mm-hmm. just go. You're ripping through right now. One is hanging with Mr. Cooper. I'm ripping through because none of those are going to win. Sure. How do you feel about hanging with Mr. Cooper? I don't think it is a winner, but I enjoyed the show. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Here's the thing. Yeah. Did they both did hanging with Mr. Cooper and Boy Meets World start on the Disney Channel? I don't think so. They started on TGIF because those two shows in particular felt. I feel like I felt no. Disney buying ABC. It's it's a Jeff in Franklin those two show. shows. It's a Jeff Franklin show. Yeah, who had already done Full House and can pretty much put whatever he wants on TV. But you have Mark Curry as an brilliant player who becomes a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. These shows felt like Saturday morning sitcoms to me. Yeah, they felt more like uh, Saved by the Bell mm-hmm. than Primetime. Yeah, and it was funny. But I loved both of them. I thought Mr. Cooper was great. Like, yeah, it's just a cool teacher show. Yeah. Which is the same Billy was head of the class in the, in the vein of those, but he was a little younger and cooler. Yeah. And Mark Curry's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. He was pretty yeah. funny. Like funny stand up. Good role for him. But yeah, that not, not the best. What about Boy Meets World? Boy Meets, Boy World, Meets World also felt like an ABC family or Disney Channel show to me. Now, maybe this is because I was a little bit too old for Boy Meets World. When that okay. show came on the air, I was at the point in high school where I wanted to go out on Friday nights. In 1993, did it start? I guess, I guess, I guess not the first year of it, but by the time the first couple, maybe not the first couple of years, by the time it was going, I would have been a yeah sophomore, junior in high school. And then I would have wanted to be doing other things on a Friday night. But I do remember thinking I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought Ryder was great on it. I like everyone had a crush on Topanga. Of course. Yeah. I thought it was a, it was like ABC did a great job of the, here's a unique family and some characters for you to love. You also have William Daniels, the great William Daniels. The great, brilliant voice of William Daniels, who I know you have a particular soft spot for William Daniels. Of course, because I love Knight Rider. But also, I love that the show took place in Philadelphia so that I felt like, oh, they're making a show about where I live. And I think I realized a fundamental difference between the two of us. What's that? That I think there's a way I feel that maybe you don't feel, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Which is you I, like everything that takes place in Philadelphia, and I still give it perfect. critical eye. By the way, the show Abbott Elementary, wherever it took place, it takes place in Philly because that's where mm-hmm. the person who created it is from. But it is one of the best new shows on television. Everybody should be watching. Oh, that's it the one about, so the, the, about the the teachers. The, that's like yes. the like the put upon teachers show. I hear it's oh really God. funny. It's so good. Yeah. It's so freaking good. Everybody, please, if you are listening to this, I know we don't have enough listeners to sway the ratings for a show, but Please listen. Please go watch it and then tell people that, you know, if you like it, tell them to watch it. But the the difference I think I realized is mm-hmm. I become nostalgic about thing, like aspects of my life or places that I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Or I did. I did at least when I was younger. That was why I liked American Pie, the original so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the raunchy stuff is the raunchy stuff. It's enjoyable. You know, you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But the thing that they keyed into was that experience of having a group of friends in college, in, in high school and what it means when you all 
are getting ready to go off and be separated from one another and what that yeah. means. And everybody has a little bit of each of those characters in them in terms of how they react. And then the sequel was also great because it dealt with, in a larger sense, what is it like to come back after a year of college and try to recapture what you once had and how mm-hmm. hard that is. So when I see something like that and I identify with something I felt really strongly or I think it captures something really well, I'm in on it. Mm-hmm. And for Boy Meets World, there was an aspect to like what it sort of feels like to be that age, be in school. It wasn't that far away for me from being that age, mm-hmm. you know, like five, six years. So I connected with it on that level and I loved it because it was in set in Philadelphia. Now I didn't watch mm-hmm. the entire run. So there was a point where like you, I got old enough that I was going out or I wanted to watch other things that felt a little more adult. Like at a certain point you, you yeah. age out of TGIF if you're a teenager, because either it's not cool or you want to go do other things. But as an adult, you can go back and enjoy things that you would have walked away from as a teenager. Does yeah. That make sense. Absolutely. In fact, I think that I would probably love to watch it and give it a shot now because I, like I said, I never really got into it. You know what I mean? It was one of those I would like family matters and full house. I watched religiously, Mm -hmm. but the rest of them, you know, I would watch the episodes and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Dinosaurs, you know, the, the, the rest of them were more floaters or it felt like to me. Yeah. So I didn't have the fervor of them. And also I didn't have the personal connection to Philadelphia that grounded that show more personally. Sure. You know what I mean? Now I'm almost the exact age of the characters on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just a, a, a year or two older, but yeah, I guess I, if I gave it a shot now, it would, it, I would probably feel nostalgic for the feelings of that time. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was a great title for the show. Boy meets world. It was, that's, it's you're coming into you're coming. It's a coming of age story in the form of a 90s, a very, very by the numbers 90s sitcom. Yeah. And it stars the younger brother, Fred Savage, who at the time mm-hmm. was doing the Wonder Years or had yeah. just come off of doing the Wonder Years, which is a classic sitcom, which I love. Another I coming think, of age. Yeah. I think the modern version of it is even better. And I would suggest that as well. Like I just it would make me so sad if both of those shows didn't survive past the first season because of how good they are and how like we need more shows like that on our television. Yeah. So please watch, please watch the new wonder years. Please watch Abbott elementary. They're Amen. on Hulu. Like just support things that are good. And that's how you get more good things, especially on networks. Yes, absolutely. Cause everybody watches the Netflix stuff. Mm-hmm. What else do we want to talk about? Like, are there we, the Hewleys? We've got DL Hewley, who's hilarious, hilarious and brilliant. My favorite thing he ever did, of course, is Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. I never was a Hewleys fan. Like, I never really watched it. Again, it was like late. It was sort of I was at this point, I was starting college by the time that came out. And I was definitely doing other things on Fridays. Same. I was mostly rehearsals. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't, wa- I wasn't watching it. It only had two years on ABC and then it went to UPN for two years. So that this was, was sort of, like- they sort of faded out. This sort of yeah. faded out the end of, there were a lot fewer staple shows yeah. in TGIF toward the end. Yeah. You've also got two guys, two guys, a girl in a pizza place with Ryan Reynolds and Nathan Fillion. Yes. And of course, David Ogden Stiers, the sexy one, as they called him on that set. Yeah, I think we have the Clueless adaptation was also, mm-hmm. was also on, which is sort of a classic series, but also wasn't on ABC for its entire run. I think that also went to UPN. Did it? It did. It, did. it went to UPN for its last two, it did three seasons on ABC and then two seasons on, no, I'm sorry. It did one season on NBC and then two seasons on UPN. So it wasn't even really, it didn't survive being on ABC. Sister, sister, the same thing. Yes. Another one that bounced around that went over to uh, WB. So there were a lot of like, toward the end, they started like swapping in a lot of shows. You know what I mean? Yes. It is also very impressive for the, I just, I do want to shout out how many of the people from Clueless, the film came back to do Clueless, the TV series. I mean, Alicia Silverstone is the major missing person and Paul Rudd also is not there. But mm-hmm. you had Wallace Shawn come back. You had Elise Donovan, Donald Faison, Stacey Dash was there. Like a lot of the key 
members of the cast returned, which is kind of cool. He also had You Wish about a genie, a terrible, terrible show that ran in 1997. Mm-hmm. Teen Angel about a teenage guardian angel. Filled the same 930 block in 97, 98. One took the fall and winter. Another one took the spring. But both teenage boys with magical powers. Yep. Are there any that we're missing? We had the Dougie Doug show. What am I? I'm forgetting the name of it right now. But is there anything that can contend with? Oh, we never mentioned uh, just the 10 of us. Another early, early TGIF show. I was joking with Hal earlier that this is where all of my early TV crushes we're all in one place because as a 12 year old boy or a 11 year old boy watching TGIF and suddenly here are all of the girls in the household of just the 10 of us as I'm yeah, coming of age. But just the 10 of us didn't even, it, it was part of the, it was like an early part of the block and it went for 47 episodes. It did get renewed. It was a spinoff mm-hmm. of growing pains. Was, was, I didn't, was it the coach basketball coach? Yeah. Bill Kirkenbauer. Was who's great on issue. it he's great very funny comedian yeah. also deborah Harmon, who's also hilarious he had heather langenkamp from nightmare on elm street yeah jamie lunar brooke thice it's a, a very good cast it's a fun premise i feel like I. it's got a great more. opening just watch the opening that's all you need to watch it it's a, it's one of the drive across the country to a theme song with lyrics yes yeah uh, yeah doing it the best i can mm-hmm. it's one of the shows i watched a lot more in syndication than yeah. anywhere else so do we have do we have a who are two big or two or course. three big contenders are it's full house and family matters. That's it. So the big question is, do we go with the show that was helmed by a giant cast that worked well together for years and years? Or do we go with the show that is another great cast that all worked well together, but clearly one breakout mega character that blew up? You may disagree with me here. Or other people mm-hmm. may disagree with me here, but I think the differentiator is as broad as Full House got, and it got mm-hmm. broad because you had that chipmunk. Have mercy. That's what he was saying. Not mom. It was have mercy. Have that mercy. was his catchphrase. That's right. Have mercy. Oh, I knew I'd get there. The chipmunk, Joey's chipmunk puppet mm-hmm. that was show- like there are a lot of things that started showing up a little too much, <laughs> a little too often. But it's hard to make a show for that long and come up with new ideas. That's why you see today, like a lot of shows will go five seasons and then be done. We have a five season arc. That's all we're going to do. It's hard to extend it beyond some shows can live past their sell by date. And I'm glad when they do. I'm always happy to see people. That's a lot of people getting a lot of work for a lot of time, which is great. But I would argue that Family Matters jumped the shark with Urkel in a way that Full House never did. It didn't yeah. do it in the same way. Full House definitely got bigger. It got to a point where they were like, there are too many kids on this show. Because mm-hmm. you have Jesse and Becca. You got the Becky, twins. Becky. It's not Becky. It's Becky. Becky. Yeah. Becky's twins. They got the twin boys. You have Michelle. You have all the kids. You have the guy who played Aladdin's hanging out there as. Uh, <laughs> Was Brad Kane boyfriend. on that show? No, Scott. Uh, the one who did the speaking voice for him. Oh, for gotcha. Scott, Scott Winger or Winger. Yeah. He was on the show as DJ's boyfriend. Should have been Brad Kane. If only. Wait, did do you think that Genie show came out uh, as you wish do you th- or whatever it was called? Do you think that came out after Aladdin came out? And they were like, hey, let's do a Genie show. I mean, it did come out after Aladdin came out. It had to be like, but it oh, came man. out five years after Aladdin came out. I don't know. If, I don't <sighs> know if they were really riding the wave the way they should have that's been. fair it also it does deal. not look like they took those five years to create a nuanced version yeah yeah so i would argue that in terms of overall quality full house was able to sustain theirs for longer yeah if you want to look at which one burned brighter in its heyday urkel burned brighter but i think yeah. urkel burned brighter than family matters did and if this were an episode about the best tv characters of the 90s I think there's an argument to be made for Urkel. But I think as far as the show goes, I think Full House is more quintessential. I think it had better longevity. They went to Disneyland, which I'm a nerd for. Uh, or Disney World. I don't the remember. The Beach which Boys one were on it. The Beach Boys were on it. They, yeah. Well, some of them. Yeah. Not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we have our winner. It's the first one that popped into my head when you mentioned doing this topic. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. That was the one I first thought of when you mentioned this topic. And I think it, it, nobody's pushed it off the mountain. Yeah. 
So let's do this. People of the world, whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, evening TV. How did I get delivered here? Somebody tell me, please, because this old world is really just confusing me. Clouds as mean as you've ever seen. Ain't a bird that knows your tune. And that little voice inside of you whispers, kid, don't sell your dreams so soon. Because everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there's a heart, a hand to hold on to. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there's a face of somebody who needs you. And they also need to watch the best TGIF show of all time. Full House. R.I.P. Bob Saget. R.I.P. Answered. The goat. Goated. This topic is closed. But there are many more topics to discuss. Listen to that plane. That plane going right past, like, right as it was like, goodbye, this topic. I'm going to fly over a bridge in San Francisco and do an aerial view of whoever's in a convertible right now. Yeah. This topic is closed, <laughs> but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or you can email us. At we got this podcast at gmail.com or please, please share your TGIF program memories. What were your favorite shows? So one we didn't mention, please tell us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash. We got this podcast. Special thanks to Oh Hell Nah on Twitter for suggesting this. What has to be many years ago at this point. <laughs> we finally got to it. Hope you're still listening. Also, thank you to producer Ken Plume, who hosts his own wonderful podcast, A Bit of a Chat with Ken Plume, which you can find wherever fine podcasts are delivered to your ear holes. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you. The people of the world. Sure, you may be not the mama, but you are the people of the world. And there's no one that Hal and I would rather raise three precocious little girls with than you in a great big full house. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. You, you got, got it, dude. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.